Welcome to the Be Still My Soul podcast. This is Pastor Ray Brandon, working our way through scriptures with Northbridge Church. We are using the Gospel Project as our guide, and we're in Unit 19, Session 4, and Day 3, reading from Luke chapter 2, verses 21 through 24. And here we have Mary and Joseph, and what they do for this son, who is their firstborn son. Um, so as you examine the text today, a couple of things to observe. One, they we observe in the text, and as does Luke, he points it out very, very clearly that both Mary and Joseph as parents, they were godly parents. What does it mean to be a godly parent when you are raising the Son of God? Uh, Mary and Joseph wanted to do everything that God required, and Luke makes this very clear five times. Luke tells us that they did something for Jesus, their son, in accordance with God's law. It's really particular in this, this chapter. So verses 22 says it, 23 verse 24, verse 27, verse 39 is the repetition of this phrase, which is one of those uh, Bible study skills. Look for things, themes, words that are repeated. Mary and Joseph did what God's law required, or they did what was in accordance with God's law. Uh, the first thing that they did is they had their child circumcised. Um, they did this a week after he was born. It says uh, in verse 21, at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, given the name by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So at that time, it was customary for a son to receive a name at the time of his circumcision. And Mary and Joseph gave their firstborn son the name that was revealed to each of them, Jesus. So in Matthew 1.21 it, it, um, and Luke 1.31, it shows that uh, the name was revealed to Mary and to Joseph, and the name means the Lord saves. And after he received his name, he received the sign of the covenant. Um, the sign of the covenant is, uh, it was where the priest with a sharp cut of the blade, his foreskin was cut away from his body. Um, this was the first shedding of blood in anticipation of the cross. John Milton wrote this, how soon our sin sore doth bring his infancy to seize. Circumcision went all the way back to the days of the patriarchs, when as a token of God's promise, God told Abraham to circumcise his sons. This was a sign of God's covenant sealed in blood. Uh, the fact that the sign was was given to show that Jesus was a true son of Abraham. And so here, Mary and Joseph go to the temple, and they do all of this as a, a in accordance with God's law as a, a sign that, that Jesus was of the covenant and a true son of Abraham. They go to the temple for two reasons. One was for purification. According to the Mosaic law in Leviticus chapter 12, a woman who gives birth to a son was ceremonially unclean for 40 days. And when her time was up, um, she was to bring to the priest, a lamb for a burnt offering and a pigeon for a sin offering. In this case, we see that Mary and Joseph were very, very poor. They couldn't afford that. And so there was an alternative. They bring two young pigeons, but this is still keeping with the law. They're still doing what um, the law said in Leviticus chapter 12. And uh, we see that God's law is incredibly merciful. And they they bring these two um these two pigeons, and um, their blood is is shed, and, and this is the rite of purification. Um, it was assumed, presumed, that the child was a sinner, and it was presumed that what made the mother impure was the guilt of her child's sin, which this 
child inherited from Adam, and that's why sacrifices were made. The sacrifices symbolized that the sacrificer deserved death, but that the sacrificial animal is loaded with the guilt and death penalty and for the sake of the sacrificer enters upon death to set him free from his guilt of sin. So why did Mary go through this process of purification when the child that came out of her womb was not a sinner? Jesus was the sinless son of God, completely without sin. Uh, either original or actual. He had not sinned. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He did not inherit the guilt of Adam's sin, and he did not commit willful sins on his own. So we ask, well, why did Mary have to be purified? Well, it comes back to what we first said. God commanded it. And also because her son had come to take sin upon himself. So we see here this association between Jesus and the need for cleansing was an early clue that he would be the bearer of our sin. As God made him, as 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, to be, no, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The second reason that Mary and Joseph uh, took Jesus to the temple is to present him to the Lord. So purification was tied to, uh, to Mary herself, and, and, but it was also um, tied to the presentation of the Son. And this was also part of God's law going all the way back to Exodus. In Exodus chapter 13, God said to Moses, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever is first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. So God said to Moses that he has the rightful claim to every life that is firstborn in Israel, every life. So whether that's a son or whether that is uh, um, uh, a goat or a lamb or an ox, um, or a, a cow, um, he has the right to every, every firstborn life. And, and so in this command, what God's people are doing, God, think about this, God's commanding that they acknowledge God's sovereignty, that this child was God's. But what they're doing in taking this child to the temple is they're redeeming their son with a sacrifice, and so the sacrifice was offered not long after the child was born. When the parents presented their child to God, they were setting them apart for his service. And so we learn to set our own children apart for God. That's what's involved with being godly parents. At Northbridge, we put a, um, a, 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 a good and heavy weight upon parenting and what parents do. And, and as parents, we ought to continue to feel that weight. Now, I had a grandson that came home from the hospital just a few weeks ago, and I remember when his father uh, was brought from the same roundabout at that hospital, and I brought him home. I remember the weight of the fear of putting him in the car and taking him and my wife home for the first time. I was afraid. I think I drove all of seven miles an hour um, in that little Honda Civic across town and home because there was this weight and responsibility, and I didn't want anything to happen uh, to that child. And so parents ought to feel this weight of, of responsibility before God. Um, but we also 
We also um, need to see the complete obedience and total dedication of Jesus to the will of God. Because if we only feel the weight of parenting, if we only feel the demands to do everything that God has said, they will crush us. But there is a son, the only son of God, who already belonged to God as his son, He was part of the Trinity. He came to earth, and he belonged to God both in substance and obedience. From the very beginning of his life, he fulfilled all the righteousness of God by keeping God's law absolutely, completely. And we see that he shed his blood for our sins. And so we are thankful that we can give this hope to our children, but we're also thankful that in the process we get great grace. There is no perfect parent. Uh, There is no complete parent, but there are godly parents because of God's grace. And so I would encourage you and challenge you parents um, to continue on with your children. And and maybe you're an auntie or an uncle or a grandparent. Um, Maybe you're, you're a mentor. There are children of the next generation that are a blessing. And we are called as a church to launch those children like arrows out into the future because they will be raising children and their children's children and their children's children continuing to proclaim the gospel of Jesus. And someday they'll look back and say, I can't believe you listen to podcasts.